Good afternoon, everyone. You are very welcome to another NCBI Labs live event, which brings us up to live event number 47 in our series. This is JP Corkin, which is today from the Labs team. I'm standing in for my colleague, Jude Maher. And today I'm joined by our regular panelists, Sean Doran, Daniel Dunn, and Joe Lonigan. So I hope everyone listening in is managing to stay safe and well. With the continued vaccine rollout and gradual easing of restrictions, we hopefully have some brighter days to look forward to. And of course, the fine weather we've had over the last few days is certainly helping too. And as always on the live event, the Labs team is here to help you stay up to date with the latest technology news and product releases for people with sight loss. So what do we have coming up for you in the show today? Well, in a short while, as part of our regular Meet the Team segment, we are going to be talking to Lisa Brown to hear about her role in NCBI. So Lisa is a community resource worker based in Kerry, who noted many of our listeners will be familiar with. And after this, you're going to be finding out about banking online and managing your finances with a very popular Revolut app. So for example, how do you set up a Revolut account? What services are available? And how accessible is the app itself? Well, to help answer these questions and more, we're going to be joined by Sebastian Hamilton, who is Head of Public Affairs at Revolut Ireland. Also, to provide us with an insight into the Revolut app from the perspective of a user with a vision impairment, we're going to be joined by Brendan Ward, who has worked in London and New York as a banker and is now a consultant on leadership and development and disability empowerment. Along with this, we're back with our regular technology news section, where I'll be finding out about what were the main take-homes from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference last week. If you have any questions or comments throughout the show, you can send an email to labs at ncbi.ie or you can leave a question or post a comment on our Q&A panel. We'll get right back to you. But to start things off this week, we are going to be chatting with Lisa Brown, who is a community resource worker who's based in Kerry. So Lisa, you're very welcome to the live event today. Hi, JP. I'm there. I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me now? Hi, so Lisa. I can hear you clearly. Yeah. You're very Perfect. welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you for having me and hello to the rest of the labs team and everyone listening. Great, it's great, great to have you with us. Lisa, to start off, could you tell us how long you've been with NCBI and, and whereabouts in Kerry you're based? Yes, so I've been with NCBI since 2004, which is quite a long time. Um, and I am based in out of our office in Tralee. So with my colleague Geraldine Gallagher, we work with adults throughout all of County Kerry. And then some members from our Cork team work with children and young people in the county. Yes, yes, yes. And I wanted to go back to quite quite a while then, Lisa, 2004. So quite a, quite a, quite a long time you've been with NCBI. Could you tell us a bit about your background? So before you joined NCBI, so where were you based or what were you, were you training, for example, or were you working elsewhere? Yes, yeah, so I had just finished my degree in social work in the US. Um, so I majored in social work and minored in gerontology, which is the study of aging and looking at the biological, psychological and, and social aspects of aging. So I moved to Ireland in 2001 and I started working with the HSC with children and families. And I was with them for two years before a role came up uh, with NCBI. Right. So I applied then. And what does your role typically involve today? Okay, um, well, as you said, I've been with NCBI for a long time and actually what has kept it quite dynamic and interesting and enjoyable is the fact that the services that we've provided since 2004 and how we deliver those services has changed quite a lot over over that period of time. My, my main role is around meeting people who and adults who've been affected by sight loss and discussing what challenges they're facing and how NCBI services can support them. So I provide practical support, such as an appropriate magnifier that I can assess a person for. I can demonstrate shop aids and appliances and provide advice on adapting items in the home. I give information on benefits and link people in with the other NCBI services, such as the labs, um, our library, our shop, our advocacy department. And I link people in with other appropriate services outside of NCBI. So, you know, on a day to day basis, I'm providing practical and emotional support with with individuals and with each person, you know, you discuss how they're coping, 
and what individual needs there may be. So the solutions that you provide for each individual can be quite, quite different. Um, I'm also in the process of completing my certificate in orientation and mobility training. So that'll be another that'll that will be part of my role, you know, once once that has been completed. It's, it sounds like an extremely diverse role. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. to, to what extent would you work with the local IT trainer in, in Kerry? Yes, so we've worked quite closely with Brian Manning over the years. Um, he has, you know, pre-COVID, he's been able to to come down to Kerry and 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 link it with him. So it's quite actually a, a close relationship in terms of helping individuals to have their technology needs met um, through through that support and through labs. Excellent. If you can put in touch with with Brian from time to time, then Lisa. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot, a lot of our listeners would know Brian through uh, many of our live events in the past. He, he's quite frequently on the talk about Braille and Braille devices. Mm -hmm. Lisa, is there anything in particular that you're working on at the moment? Any projects, for example? Yes, so you know, I think everybody in NCBI and a lot of other organizations has been impacted by COVID and had to look at how we deliver our services. So something that I've been involved in since last year with a working group with three other colleagues is developing an online version of support groups that we were previously able to run in person. So the program is called ADAPT, Solutions for Managing Your Site Loss, and the program covers a range of topics from understanding low vision, tips and aids to make the most of your vision, technology, mobility, coping with vision loss and managing emotions, and of course, NCBI services. So between myself and my, my other colleagues in the working group, we've been running the group since the start of this year on a national basis, which means that people from all over the country can um, be referred into a group that's facilitated by myself and my colleagues. And it's ran over the phone once a week or online um, for people who are accessing technology. It's ran once a week for six weeks. And if there's anyone out there who's interested and would like to find out more, they can certainly contact their local community resource worker or the information line uh, to, be, to be referred in LinkedIn and, and learn more about the program. Excellent. It's 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 all. It's certainly one of the benefits, isn't it, of having this offering available online, so people can take part in that. Yes, yes, certainly. I think um, how we use technology and the way we've been able to adapt services has has been quite interesting over over you know this this last time period of of coping with COVID, and I I think that really it it will stand to us and our services going going forward and has developed much faster actually than it would have if we if we didn't have that experience. Lisa, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us today on the show. It's it's much appreciated and giving us the insight into not only your work, but also the ADAPT program that you're involved in too. Mm -hmm. Delivery of just as a recap, can people get in touch with you or let's get in touch if they want to maybe avail of this program and get involved? I think the way I believe there was recently um, something that went out in the Insight magazine. And so really, if they speak to their local community resource worker or ring the information line, they will be able to learn more about the program to see whether or not it's right for them before before being referred into it. So that's probably the best bet is to link with their local community resource worker. All of the resource workers in throughout NCBI have been informed about the program, so they'll all have a good idea about it. I'll be aware of it. Excellent. Lisa, thanks very much for joining us again. Thank you and thank you for having me on. Thank you. So that was Lisa Brown there from our Trilly office and telling us about the ADAPT program as well. So please do get in touch with your local community resource worker if you want to find out about that uh, program and get involved. Okay, so now we're going to move our conversation over to Revolut. So no doubt many of our listeners will have come across a very popular Revolut app before. And perhaps many of our listeners will be using it as well to manage their finances and make transactions. But for those who aren't familiar with Revolut, what exactly is it and how does it differ from many of the more traditional uh, banks? Well, to help answer these questions, this week we're going to be joined by Sebastian Hamilton, who is Head of Public Affairs at Revolut Ireland, and Brendan Ward, who will be able to give us an insight into using Revolut from the perspective of someone who has a sight impairment. So you're both very welcome to the show today, Sebastian and Brendan. Thank you. 
great, great to have you with us. So, Sebastian, we, we might just come to you first. Can you tell us a little bit about Revolut, if you don't mind, for anyone who's not familiar with it? I, I think in a way it's going to make more sense once, once Brendan has kind of explained how he's able to use it and how, how people are able to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. But just to give an overview, Revolut is um, an e-money institution, um, which is not the same as a bank, although it's regulated by the same regulators as regulate banks. It's, it's licensed uh, in the UK and in Lithuania by the relevant regulators there. On a day-to-day on -day level, the services we offer are very similar to your standard bank account, uh, you know, payments and spending and, and sending money and, and moving money. Um, really, the, the, the principal difference um, is, is the way in which customer money is protected. Um, uh, with e-money institutions, the money is kept in a kind of ring fence, standalone, separate bank account, uh, in our case with JP Morgan, yeah. and depositors have first call on that. And and with, with the legacy banks, uh, your listeners might know there's a, there's a thing called the deposit guarantee scheme where uh, the government of a particular country guarantees that money. But on a day-to-day -day level, uh, for, for kind of sending and receiving and spending money, they're very similar. Uh, and we issue people a, a, a debit card um, and they use that on the app to, to make transactions. Okay, excellent. And, and Sebastian, maybe just saying with you, what are some of the benefits of using Revolut versus uh, a, a traditional bank account? Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's I, I, I don't want to take too long because I would say there's a lot. Um, and, and we have, you know, we now have nearly one and a half million Revolut customers in in Ireland alone, um, that's nearly half the adult population. So obviously, they all think there's good reasons. I think the key ones are number one, lower cost. You know, with the standard account, there's no monthly fees, there's no quarterly fees, there's no standing charges, and there's no charges for kind of the day-to-day -day use of your card or basic transactions. So uh, you know, it's it's significantly cheaper. You can instantly send money to anyone else who has Revolut anywhere in the world in seconds. That's that's one of the other really big attractions. You know, when we start traveling again, uh, you get cheaper foreign exchange. Um, even if people aren't on Revolut, if you want to send money to people in Europe, uh, we have a thing called SEPA Instant, which is an instant money transfer to over two and a half thousand um banks and payment institutions in in Europe, um, which is, you know, I've used that and it's fantastic. We have open banking, which lets you track your, link your other bank accounts through your Revolut app and, 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 and track them through there. We have a fantastically popular offering for people who have children. We have a, a Revolut Junior account. So if, uh, for children aged seven to 17, they get their own spending card which is kind of controlled and monitored by the parent through their Revolut app. And my my two older kids, um, who are seven and ten, they have it and and love it. And and then just a variety of other kind of additional features. We have uh, one-off kind of virtual cards for online shopping. So we create a virtual card in the app. You buy whatever it is you're buying on the internet, and then that card number is destroyed, so it can't be kind of used fraudulently. And there's there's various levels of customer rewards. There's in-app budgeting features. There's there's kind of clever ways to save money in a separate vault. Um, so uh, you, you know those are just a few. I could I could uh, be, be here all day talking about the benefits, but I'll, I'll stop there. Maybe just take a step back for a moment, just in terms of setting up the uh, setting up revenue for the first time. What are the requirements? For example, identification. Uh, You'll need a uh, national ID, which for users in Ireland is a passport because we don't have a, a national identity card yet. Um, yes. So uh, you'll need a valid passport, but beyond that, really, you just need to download the app uh, and, and yes. have your passport handy uh, uh, and ideally in date, uh, which I think a lot of people, I know that my passport, uh, I suspect, is is a good bit out of date now because um, <laughs> nobody's been going anywhere. Exactly. Um, 
So, so that they're, they're, they're the requirements. And, and what are the benefits then, Sebastian, of, of obtaining and using a Revolut card versus just using the app only? So what are the benefits of using the card that you just mentioned? I mean, to be honest, the, you know, I think to a large extent, the two go hand in hand. You know, Revolut is a digital product. It's designed for the mobile phone age and the smartphone age. So they're meant to work hand in hand. Um, you know, there's some some of the additional benefits of, of the Revolut card are that you can, for example, if you've lost your card, you can instantly freeze it from within the app. Um, but but to be honest, whether you know, there's plenty of people who who essentially use it as an app. Uh, but obviously, we're we're in an era still where where shops, you know, generally a lot of places like cards. Um, uh, or, or, or people find it convenient to carry a card, but actually, uh, you know, I think I, I I don't think there's a massive difference in terms of what you're able to do between having the card and 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 using the app. And I like yes. I said I know people who who have Revolut and and, and don't carry the cards with them. I do and tend to you know yes. I like to just be able to tap tap the card and go. Yeah, I, I suppose, uh, sorry, this is uh, Sean, Sebastian, um, with the Revolut card, I mean, it, it can also sync up to your GPay and I suppose your Apple Pay also, and you can tap from your phone then once you have the card. Yeah, that's the thing. So, so, so you know, I think I, I think we would view the card as a, as a kind of helpful physical extension of the Revolut app and, and product. But, you know, you can use Revolut through the app, you can use it through the card. Um, Obviously, for the Revolut Junior, that is that is a physical card, but that's yeah. you know we found that particularly helpful because, you know, and again, I'm sure your listeners will will be aware. A lot of places uh, now don't take cash, so yes. where I am in Sutton, you know, uh, the Starbucks and the Insomnia don't really like to take cash, and for you know for for anybody who who's under the age where you can have your own card, that's been really difficult. Whereas you know that they have the Revolut Junior card, and I actually got a sandwich for lunch in Starbucks here earlier, and 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 all the kids that came in after me were using their Revolut Junior card. So, you know, there's a use case for both. It's really whatever is kind of handiest and most convenient for for the customer. Yeah. And I know my I know my niece and nephew have have the cards, and they, they absolutely love them. And um, is there is there is there a difficulty with adding the card for parents and is there a minimum amount of money that has to go on to it as, the, as an initial sort of payment? No, no, it's, um, I mean, again, I found it, it, I found it incredibly simple to, 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 to get my kids onto Revolut Junior um, and um, uh, there's no, there's no minimum amount that has to go on at all. If, you, if you're using Revolut Junior on the that the standard account, which is free, then there's a monthly limit of how much you can put on uh, of 40 euros. So, you know, probably better for, for younger kids. If you're at an age where, where you know, you want to be putting more money onto your kids card, then, you know, you, you can use one of the paid options. We have a, a, a kind of entry level paid option called Plus, which is three euros a month. Uh, and that gives the, the, the kind of unlimited uh, then spending on the Revolut Junior card. Um, and, you, you know, what I find fantastic about it is, is you just have total, you, you, you know, so my kids have, have freedom to spend their own money um, and they, they're really learning fast about this is their money and they can see, you know, if they're spending it, that it goes out of their account. But I, I, I'm able to monitor that. I'm able, I'm able to, I get a notification telling me where they've spent money and when they've spent money. And um, there was actually recently a very funny story. And a lady tweeted that uh, she, she has a coffee van um, and two kids came up uh, and they'd lost their parents. And one of them said, can I buy something on my Revolut Junior card? Because then they'll get the notification and they'll know where we are. Um, now I don't think we I don't think that was the intention yeah. when we built it to find lost children uh, but, um, it's an but, interesting. but look it's 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 an yeah. incredibly you know it, it's it's one of the, the the added benefits and and like I said Revolut Junior is, is is hugely popular yeah 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 um just, just while, while um we're 
just to I'm here, JP. Question. Oh, Brendan, is that ah. Brendan? No. Excellent. I snuck in on the phone line because I was ah, on very the very Teams connection. <laughs> so here I am. Very, very timely, Brendan. I was I was asking Sebastian a moment ago about for someone who wants to get started using Revolut for the, for the first time. Okay, so uh, as as Sebastian pointed out, it's a it's a, a pass a copy of a password that that's required for someone who's using a screen reader, perhaps like 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 yourself, Brendan. Mm. How straightforward are not if it's the case uh, is setting up uh, Revolut for the first time. What I found very helpful and still find very helpful and appetizing about Revolut is the fact that it, it's a very much a mainstream application. So as Sebastian was outlining, it's become very popular in Ireland and often in the tech world for those of us with sight loss, you know, you're using, in my case, iPhone with voiceover, you download an app that everyone's talking about and what you often find, it's not working with voiceover and <laughs> I guess that's what NCBI Lab spends a lot of time trying to help service users with is to overcome some of the accessibility challenges. From the very start when I went to Revolut and downloaded it on the App Store, like any app that you can just type in R-E-V-O-L-U-T, download the app. From the start I found it very accessible. Um, I didn't actually need to be able to see my screen at all, so I do have some residual vision. Um, but voiceover worked fine. It, it took me through the steps of getting set up. So once you download the app and open up the app, um, it asks you for some initial details which you'd expect to give. Um, and then you have to go through that ID verification process because uh, for security reasons, they need to know you're a real person. And once you get through those setup steps, uh, and this bit I couldn't believe uh, when I joined a few years ago, you're straight away set up with a Euro account and a GBP account, a Sterling account, with your IBAN details, you know, your sort code and account number for the Euros and the same for the GBP account. So I couldn't believe how quickly that happened and that was just the standard free account, you know, so I didn't have to pay anything. So all of that downloading, opening, verifying ID, and then get landing with my Euro and Sterling accounts was was very smooth. The one thing I, I did need some help with was, you know, when you're taking a picture with your iPhone, if you don't have good vision, you often need to get help from someone sighted with that. And that's something that's quite common to lots of apps where you need to do some kind of ID verification. So that's the only thing I'd say to have someone on hand for to help uh, take the picture of your passport or whatever you need to do for that ID verification stage. Uh, and Brendan, I presume that that's just needed once, isn't it? And it's not needed again. It's just, yes. it's just yeah. Uh, Brendan, you, you mentioned a moment ago about your, your, your set up, when you set up, you by default you have, a, you have a standard account. Now, are there other accounts available with, with Revolut and what kind of features or benefits do they offer? Well, I, I started with the standard account and it was quite persuasive because the standard account is free. So it means that in my case, I ventured on wondering like most people listening in would wonder, uh, it's okay saying that for sighted people, but you know, how is it going to work for me when I can't see? So it really helps uh, remove the barriers to entry, you know, when you have a standard plan that is free. And that's what I used for the first while as I settled in. Um, and what I got in that standard plan was essentially I got to spend money from my balance. I got to transfer money and I got to exchange money up to a limit. So there is a limit. I think it's a thousand euro, something like that, of what you can do uh, within the, the standard plan. Um, so some scenarios that came up for me, uh, same as what most people would have, you know, we were clubbing together for a wedding present for someone. Uh, what do you do in the old days? Well, you kind of have to remember <laughs> that I owe someone 20 euro or 100 euro, what have you. Because my family were getting on to Revolut in short order, we were able to start sending money to each other on Revolut. So you don't have to remember anymore, you know, you don't have to go into different banks and fiddle around with all of us having different, you know, uh, bank accounts. We can just go on Revolut. The app actually can spot any of your contacts who are also on Revolut. So it's a bit like WhatsApp, 
you know, yeah. if you've got the phone number loaded in, it'll be able to see who else is on there and you can just send money straight away with family members or friends. And um, so within, as I said, that limit, uh, you can work away each month uh, for free. There's also, after lockdown ends and we're able to travel again, there's another bonus, which is if you put money on the Revolut account, let's say you can, I'll, I'll maybe come back to how do you get money onto your account, because that's an important topic. But with your balance of euro, you can go abroad. So if you headed off on your holidays to uh, another country, you could go to an ATM machine in that country and withdraw money. And it doesn't have to be euros. So let's say you went to London for a few days, you could go with your Revolut ATM card to a local ATM machine, withdraw money. And this is where I was won over. Normally that would cost you a fortune, right? Because you get a bad exchange rate converting your euros into sterling. And then you get a fee for a, you know an overseas withdrawal. And that's one thing I noticed was very different in that the rate you get, that exchange rate is the inter, what's called the interbank rate. So it's the, the rate that the banks exchange at. So there's no kind of cut that uh, Revolut's taking on that exchange rate. It's just the standard rate that they pay. So that's a much better rate to get. And you also don't get a, a charge on that. Um, and there's limits around that. I think it's 200 for the standard plan, you know, so there's limits to how much you can avail of these services on the standard plan, but I think it's a great way to get started. Um, and uh, if you wanted to go ahead and start exchanging into other currencies beyond Euro and Sterling, you can do that. There's a lot of currencies. Sebastian probably knows the list better than me, but, you know, you don't have to stay in Euro and Sterling. You could, you know, convert money to US dollars, for example. Um, so there's a lot of different options in the standard plan. And then if you pay, in my case, I decided to upgrade to the premium plan, which is about 80, 82 euros, something like that for an annual membership. Um, that meant I had unlimited transfers that I could do. Um, it meant that I could withdraw more money. I think it's 400 you get to withdraw each month for free from ATMs abroad. And uh, another thing that was really helpful was the overseas travel medical insurance. So as part of the premium plan, you get um, coverage uh, in terms of insurance for medical costs incurred overseas when you're traveling. And that was also uh, a nice add-on. So for me, I've started using the premium plan for the last year or two, and it's, it's, it's worked out really well. And there's other plans, and I'd, I'd say for anyone interested, you can Google Google Revolut and look up reviews, and that way you can read the different you know feedback that other users have had. It's worth it. Great, thanks for that, Brendan. Uh, we did have a question that came in, which is as follows: How do I order a Revolut Junior card for my child? Now, I think we've already talked about some of the advantages of that. Of that, but how, how does someone go about ordering a, a Revolut Junior card? Uh, perhaps Sebastian, would you like to answer that one? Yeah, I'll I'll jump in there. Um, and the first thing I'll say is that uh, it's been a year since I ordered my kids' cards, and I uh, and off the top of my head, I'm not going to be able to tell you. Um, like to, to be honest, the answer is with with 99% of things in Revolut. If you go into the app and look look for the relevant section, it'll guide you through the steps. Um, the, the essential steps are fairly similar. You you effectively click on the link that says junior and it, it offers you the, the ability to set up a junior account. You'll need your child's passport as well. Uh, and you take a picture uh, of them uh, and send that in for verification purposes. But because a junior account is effectively a sub account of the adult account, so it sits within your account. It's not a separate standalone bank account. It's a, it's a very straightforward and simple process. Um, there's a couple of designs of cards to choose from. So you get your child to, to choose which design. Um, and, and that's it. I think on the standard plan, you pay, you do pay a card delivery fee, whether it's as an adult or as a child for the card. 
Uh, so I think there's a six euro fee to get the card. Um, but you know, my certainly my recollection of doing it twice is is that uh, you know I think it it it's it's a straightforward process once you have an account set up, um, uh, and uh, and 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 in and in our case, you know, worked very smoothly and and quickly. And that's you know ultimately that's that's one of the fundamental elements of Revolut is that we're trying to make everything yes. simpler and easier and, and specifically, you know, right. the mandate from, from our chief executives to make everything 10 times easier. Uh, so, you know, ho hopefully it's, it's as simple and straightforward a process as that. Um, uh, and, and, and again, if, you, if, if you've opened the send account and then, and any questions you have, there is an in-app chat support function, which should be able to immediately answer any questions. Okay, excellent. Well, that kind of follows on to, to our final question here is, where can I just go to find out more about Rev Revolut? And, and if needed, then Sebastian, provide feedback regarding, for example, the accessibility. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. I think just in answering that question, if I, if I may, just give a little bit of context about the kind of work on the inclusivity side and, um, and, and how much work has gone into trying to make it accessible uh, as widely as possible, particularly to the visually impaired. And I think, you know, I've been speaking to the development team over the last couple of days to really get into that. And, and two things come out, you know, firstly, um, even just talking to the team this morning, they genuinely feel that they have a moral obligation to make this product accessible. And that that should that's just a basic standard right that that, that that all users should have. So they really believe that. But but what I think is particularly powerful and important is that that's not just an aspiration. That is in their KPIs. So their quarterly performance is measured on six or seven targets. And the, actually, the first target on that list is. Uh, accessibility support and specifically that all our apps meet the W3C accessibility standards, which is text contrast ratio, minimum text size, color contrast, voiceover support and, and keyboard navigation for the web. So that is absolutely baked into the DNA of the design teams is that not only should they make this product accessible, but they must, you know, contractually and, and they will be measured every quarter on their performance in ensuring that it is accessible. So even at a component level, you know, Revolut is, is kind of quite component based. The components are designed with accessibility built in. So then it's a bit like Lego bricks, as you start building them on, every brick already has the accessibility features baked in. And, and, and they, you know, to be honest, they were absolutely delighted to hear I was Kind of invited to join you and talk about this, you know, because they feel that's a recognition of that that work and that commitment. But but the other thing that, that they universally said was, we really would love to get feedback on this and how we're doing and are there ways uh, we can make this better. So there's, you know, the the the, the probably the most direct and simple way uh, again is if you sign up to an account is to use the in-app chat function um, and you know uh, any any specific feedback regarding accessibility will be fed back to the to the design teams and the people who are responsible for this you know equally one of the design teams said that somebody had had, had, had reached out on Twitter uh, the other day and it was escalated to the design team within a couple of hours so you know th those will be the primary ways you know I, to be honest I'd, I'd quite like to explore further down the road what you know ways in which you know we might formalize some kind of uh, ability to to give to give feedback as well from an accessibility point of view you know the team did say look we recognize that in terms of accessibility there's always more to do you can always make it better and you know they're focusing on the web app and and, and improving the accessibility there um, and on 
some issues in terms of mobile support. So, you know, there's very specific plans every quarter for improving areas of that. But, you know, in a sense, it comes back to, to Brennan's point, actually, that probably the the best thing for people who haven't tried it is try the standard product. It, you know, hopefully it's, it's simple and easy to join and then engage with it through there. And, you, you know, that offers certainly the very direct way through the in-app chat of, of offering feedback. And I can tell you that the design team would, would love to hear from any, any of your listeners who, who feel that there are, you know, things that, that, that perhaps they, they, they should look at uh, for the future, because this is something that really, that really matters. And Sebastian, if, if we get any feedback ourselves from our service users or even our own staff, we could possibly maybe email that forward that to you. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'd, I'd, I know I'd be I'd be delighted to do that. You know, I'd be delighted to help. And, and um, you know, and, and to be honest, like I said, the team were, were, were really, really thrilled that, that, that the work they had put in, um, you know, was was proving useful and helpful. Uh, and are and are and are and are very keen to, to to hear about ways they can keep they can keep doing that and keep improving. Just just had there um, Daniel here on the labs team as well, Sebastian and Brennan. Um, just to get into that junior on the app, it's um, it's through the hub portion, or if you can access the search um, feature, you can also type in junior and it'll bring you straight to the uh, uh, the junior card part. So uh, just to that question we got in JP that's that's where we found, I found it <laughs> well I'm glad somebody on the call could answer that question better than me um but uh look to, to, to be honest I think I'm going to try and desperately dig myself out of that hole by saying hopefully we hopefully we make it all so simple that you don't even have to think about uh about how it's done you just you just do it and, and it was just handy I had the app here beside me at the moment Sebastian so it was great well listen thank you thank you for the helping hand there Daniel much appreciated <laughs> That's great, uh, Sebastian. Th thanks a lot for giving us um, an insight into the interrevolute today, and also, of course, to, to Brendan. Uh, it's, it's great that information, and it's interesting that it's not, as you say, it's not just uh, a moral obligation. It's actually it's a contractual obligation as well that you're you're, you're making that the app as inclusive as possible for for all users. So it's great to hear that. So uh, many thanks to both Sebastian and to Brendan today for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the invite. Thanks, JP. Okay, so we're now going to, to the next uh, part of the show, which is technology news. Um, to start with, uh, last week, Apple kicked off its annual Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC, as it's more commonly known as, where it revealed updates that are set to come to the platforms that power the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. So the event was held in Apple Park Campus in Cupertino for a second year running uh, because of, of COVID restrictions. It took place last Monday 7th to Friday the 11th of June. And as I say, second year running, it was an all virtual event. So I think we're actually going to bring Joe in uh, first of all. So Joe, would you be able to tell us about some of the highlights from last week's WWDC, if you don't mind? Good afternoon, JP. Um, yeah, so... Um... As usual, um, they have their developer conference this time of year to get ready for the launch of iOS 15 and give everybody a snippet of what's coming. So um, they've made a, lots of improvements, probably a too, too many to cover even today, but I suppose I'll talk about some of the more common ones. Um, FaceTime got a couple of a couple of fairly big improvements. Um, they it now supports spatial audio, so if you're using AirPods Pro or um, any headphones that support spatial audio, um, you will sense what direction the person that's speaking, their voice is coming from on the screen. Um, also, um, it, it shows more people on the screen. Uh, didn't specify how many, but it does show more people on the screen for people that can see. It also has a share play option. So um, it means if you want to uh, watch programs like uh, on Apple TV with somebody through FaceTime. You can do a share play thing through the Apple TV. Um, also, other apps are going to support support this, such as Disney Plus and Netflix. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a few big big improvements to uh, FaceTime. There's also in portrait mode, um, which is 
mainly for the face and video calls. Uh, just just to keep you in focus in the screen and uh, help you um, blur your background. So FaceTime is going to work in portrait mode now as well. Uh, uh, I understand this, yeah, I think spatial audio is going to be coming to Apple Music too. Is that right, Sean? That's correct, JP. So it's going to be coming to Apple Music and it's going to be like, they seem to be focusing on spatial audio. That means like it's going to be used in probably things like Netflix apps eventually and you know, uh, Apple TV and spatial audio is like, like if you've ever been to a cinema and have surround sound of multiple speakers uh, orientated around you and you've all been in people's houses who have surround sound and you can hear things coming from different directions. So what the spatial audio does is it kind of, it sort of mimics that effect, but with, with your earphones. And so if you're listening to music, you know, you're going to hear that sound stage of instruments in certain places and maybe vocals coming down the middle it's, just, it's a much more pleasant experience and like, like I said, if you're listening to like uh, calls it might place people in different locations around you so it, it doesn't sound like everything's coming at, at, sort of towards you people are spread out it'll make it'll make sort of conference calls much more pleasant but that spatial audio technology i, I assume it'll eventually sort of work its way into orientation and mobility apps and uh, it's already sort of happening so it, it is a quite an interesting new emerging technology and or a reuse of an old technology so it's it, it's it's going to be you know mixed throughout all of apple's products and you know lots of different uh, organizations products eventually currently um soundscape are testing um spatial audio uh, as as you said would, along with some other uh, orientation apps and i think it will be uh, very good um, often going forward like that and CNI will also be using it to uh, locate objects. So the, it, it, apart from just um, using it in mainstream ones, the ones specifically used for blind people are going to be a big advantage going forward. The, com the combination, Joe, I suppose of LiDAR and spatial audio within your own phone or your iPad is going to be very sort of interesting in the next few years. Exactly, yeah. And to finish off the, the FaceTime comments there a second ago, um, they're also going to allow external um, Android users and Windows users to uh, get a link and use FaceTime. So it'll it'll help not, not to make it exclusively just to Apple mm. users. So you can join from the web now on FaceTime. So it's kind of like, um, FaceTime is also like, it's sort of like moving into the space that Zoom and Microsoft Teams are in that you know, you're, you're chatting with your friends with your phone numbers as normal, but you might send out uh, an invite. Outside and so outside on. Exactly, outside the, the Apple ecosystem, they're, let, they're letting people in. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so what it means is like if you send out a link and then that person, you know, if, they don't, if they have an Android phone or a PC, they follow that link and it'll open up through their browser and then yeah. they join that family call or that meeting within yeah. FaceTime, even though they don't have an Apple device. Exactly, yeah, it's good. that's going to be great. It, um, it, like, I mean, I suppose they've seen that WhatsApp video calls and uh, Zoom teams, all these things are taken away from their space. So they, they found a way of letting people in, but still keeping their privacy intact. We're very clever. <laughs> <laughs> So privacy is, is a big thing, as you know. So yeah. That, another that, another that, thing that stood out for me was um, the announcement of Apple Live Text, and yeah. what this what this is. I know it's probably into the realm of where we have with seeing AI at the moment, but it is going to um, digitize the text that picks up in your photos. So you know, particularly for um, you know maybe you're getting memes or whatever sent to you. Um, you know, things like that um, will now be, you know, you'll be able to interact with those and, and find out what's going on in it. Um, so it, it, that seems to be like a, another new development that have that they've kind of announced and it wasn't much yeah. fans made about it, but it, it is there. Yeah, and, 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 and sorry, Joe, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the, the big thing about that, I suppose, especially for anyone that's visually impaired, if you're going somewhere that has a, a Wi-Fi, you get a Wi-Fi code, you can just point your camera at the Wi-Fi code and you can copy and paste the text. So you can mm. copy and paste it into your into the Wi-Fi settings and uh, set your Wi-Fi up easy, a lot easier rather than having to ask somebody for the for the code all the time. So that, that, that's where it'll come in handy, I think, going forward. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, and that sort of feature has been moved into um, 
explore images with voiceover is going to be a new feature coming out. So while live text is you know, it's going to be a live situation, if you have a photograph that you've taken and saved in your phone, like in the past, I think we could um, go into like the, the gallery within the phone and tap with three fingers and it would try and give a description of that image. But now we're actually going to be able to explore the image by moving around. And if it's an image of a receipt, it'll turn it into like a table where you're sort of moving through elements of a table retrieving information or if it, if it can find maybe faces or give you more information it's going to return all that so voiceover is ever expanding it's not just even a screen reader anymore it's got all these extra features and functionalities that's sort of making it you know, a universal tool another another thing that jumped out i think um now it's probably it's a few years away for us here but at the moment at the what they're planning in ios 15 as well that as part of your apple wallet you can have your your ID, you know, for for flights at airports and all that, um, that that that'll be there as well. So putting your passport in digital form, uh, carrying it on your phone, uh, they seem to be opening that up in America. So you probably say maybe that's something that's going to come down the tracks for Ireland in a couple of years' time. That'd be very helpful. Yeah, and um, there's an in-focus mode coming, which I I think has been pushed by people for, um, working at home, so you you can set it up so that you go you don't receive um work emails outside working hours things like that also an overhaul of the notification settings so i suppose there's an onslaught of notifications coming into people's iphones now and yeah. uh, to keep them keep them looking at their phone keep them online you can set up certain notifications to uh, interrupt you at less um intrusive times maybe times that you're not busy during the day so the, the intelligence of the, of the phone will recognise which notifications are important and which aren't, and it'll uh, um, give you give you those no, notifications at a more suitable time. Yeah. These sound like um, old Android features to me, but I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and um, Siri's going to work offline for certain commands. So yeah. if your internet is um, down and your voice offer is turned off for some reason, you can just ask her to turn it back on. That'll be nice. Yeah, that would be actually quite useful. Yeah. Uh, There's some enhancements coming to the Apple Watch too. Uh, Joe, you might yeah. some of those. Yeah, so um, this one could be quite useful. They haven't specifically said it's for anyone that's visually impaired. Um, it's generally for people that have maybe upper limb issues or have issues touching the screen of their watch. But um, I can see it becoming really useful if somebody's using their cane but they don't want to use their two hands like hold up their left hand with the watch and touch with their right hand to maybe use a orientation app on the phone or maybe turn on or off music or maybe answer a call or whatever they, they may be doing at the time um so you know we can do with the gyrometer and the um heart monitor and whatever other sensors uh, are being used on the phone, it can detect whether you're doing a pinch or a squeeze. So you could do a pinch to um, maybe stop a timer, for example. Or you can do a, a squeeze to move to move the cursor to the right. Um, and then you can also do a shake of your wrist to uh, maybe perform a different action. So look, maybe if there's three different actions that as you know, three or four different actions can do a lot of voiceover. So if you can do three or four different actions with the assistive, new assistive touch feature, um, it will allow us to do a lot of voiceover going, um, looking ahead. We haven't had a look at these. These features aren't out yet, but uh, this, I can imagine, assistive touch will be fairly useful. Excellent. Uh, Joe, jo as well, the, the Apple HomePod, I, I understand, has been released in Ireland today. Um, have you come across this in terms of like, do you know how it's going to be or what benefits it's going to offer uh, over yeah. for your, your standard smart speaker, Amazon Echo, Google Home? Well, we were hoping this would have been released at Christmas over here, but uh, eventually we got it six months later, which, which is great. We were really looking forward to seeing it. Um, and benefits over other speakers, it's that it's debatable uh, if it's better or worse than any, any other speakers, but it is a smart speaker, which is voice activated and there by all accounts has a great sound and it's really good for playing if you're an Apple Music subscriber. It also has a few features like um, intercom, so you can make announcements. Um, you can say stuff like, hey Siri, announce the dinner's ready or whatever it may be at the time. Um, you can also 
like any other smart speaker, connect it to your home kit in, in your house and turn on off your lights or um, maybe uh, talk to the your your front door, your uh, turn your alarm on and off, that kind of thing. Um, and there's a handoff feature on it. So if you bring your iPhone close to the um, HomePod mini, you can transfer what's playing on your iPhone or iPad onto the iPod mini and it'll play on the speaker instead. So um, it's it's a small it's yeah. a small device, a little bit. If anybody's familiar with the size of a Echo Dot, maybe Amazon Echo Dot, uh, it's similar size to that and it's round with fabric on the outside. It comes in space gray or a white color. Yeah, so, so probably quite like the, the fourth generation Amazon Echo, Joe. Yeah, something similar to that. Yeah. So I suppose half the size of a can of beans, isn't it? Yeah. Something yeah. similar to that. Um, yeah, so um, it, it's, it retails about uh, on the Apple websites around 99 euros and you can pay an extra 15 for a two year warranty for tech support and accidental damage. So which is quite reasonable. Okay. So um, yeah, that, that, that's uh, the iPod mini. I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Yeah, so perhaps yeah. someone, someone perhaps who who uses an iPhone, iPad, wants to say uh, within the Apple ecosystem when they're using a smart smart speaker, that's probably exactly. Um, it doesn't work with all the older um, iOS like so. You have to have a more update iPhone to work with it, so you can yeah. i iPhone twenty twenty SE upwards. You'll have to have something something like that or iPad seventh generation. Is it, is it kind of iOS 14 and higher, Joe, or is it? Yeah, 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 that's as far as I'm aware that's iOS 14 and higher, yeah. But you will be updating as you go along once you have that, so it'll be, it's iOS 14.5 at the moment, so mm. that's where we're at at the moment. Um, 14.6 actually, and it'll be 15 yeah. next. But I think there's a 14.7 coming as well. 14.7, yeah, it's coming yeah. fairly fairly soon. Yeah. Uh, just just move, moving on to the next next uh, feature as well, the uh, Firefox. I believe, Daniel, there's a new version of Firefox that's going to bring a new design and some new tabs as well. There is, yeah, um, and I suppose particularly low vision users will um, probably benefit greatly from this. Um, the, the, uh, Firefox has really took, um, you know, to watching how people actually use the browser and um you know took took the whole thing back to the design team to say right we need to you know look at how to make our, our, our browser that, that bit more presentable uh, less clunky um what they've done is they've, uh, in firefox version 89 which is released there on the first of june um they've made the tabs um you know stand out more so the tab that you're on it it doesn't just look like another one that showed up there in, into the into the toolbar of tabs it actually sits out and floats over the others um and that's also the spacing for that is bigger so you're getting a little bit of a bigger title um so that's that's quite good for somebody with low vision that they can you know into interact with that a bit more easier uh also they've redesigned the whole menu uh, system layout so get, getting getting around the getting around the menus and options the most used functions are out there up front and foremost um you know so if you're if you're going from section to the section of the browser it's it's quicker and easier to find a way around and it, i have to say i just seen uh, some of the video presentations and it does look it does look very good you know as uh, it's visually appetizing as well now i suppose it's so new out that um i haven't heard any feedback from our screen reader users to notice whether there's much improvement there for screen reader users but i'm sure we're going to hear back on that because um I'm aware that Firefox is, is is one of the more popular browsers out there. Be interested to hear people's feedback. So if anyone yeah chance to try it out, yeah, please and, and tell Because we, we, we all remember back when uh, it was a Firefox 57 when I think they were calling it the Quantum browser. At the time, it would only work with uh, JAWS 2018 and above. So that's that's about you know, two or three years back now. Uh, more than that. So. We haven't heard any feedback about this yet, so if anyone has any older versions of screen readers and they're having issues, they can let us know. That would that, you know, share that information amongst people. Yeah, exactly. Be great. So, um, suppose the email address for that is labs at ncbi.ie. We'd love to 
hear people's feedback and and see what, what the experience is out there and, and if anybody has um gotten gotten the new version 89 down and uh, has given it a bit of a road test we'd like to hear feedback on that as well excellent uh thanks a lot for that there daniel um we're going to move on now to our tech news and uh, sorry tech help rather and a quick tips section uh joe i understand you have some handy series suggestions to share with us this week yeah so uh seems around the subject of apple and siri um so I'll, I'll give a couple of Siri quick tips. Um, if you're a cane user, we'll say you might be even traveling on a bus or whatever. Sometimes uh, you might know exactly where you are. So um, I've often been walking and I might have took a left turn or a right turn down a laneway or a, a little street and you mightn't be exactly sure you're on the right track. So you can say something like your, to your phone, you can ask where am I? Or sometimes you're on a long journey on a bus and they're not announcing the stops. You can you can ask where am I? So I'll give it a go and see how we got here. Messages. Where am I? You're at 20 to 99 the Meadows, Callan. Yeah, so as you, as you can hear, it announces out your address and um, you have a fair, fairly rough idea if you're on the right track. So that, that's one thing. Another thing, I, I'll, I'll give one more little tip. Um, if you're use if you use the reminders app sometimes um you can make good use of the reminders app if you're going to the shop or if there's always that one thing you keep forgetting and you say next time i'm out i'm going to remind myself to get that so you can do reminders via location so if you go if you um have a supermarket close to you and you know the name of it um you can say something like remind me when i get to aldi to get sugar Aldi on West Street, Aldi on 9 Bernatownish Road, Aldi on Hebron Road, Aldi on N24, Aldi, Western Road on Western Road, Aldi on 29 Icarin CT, Aldi on Company Wexford, Aldi on 26-27 The Glen, Aldi on Arc. The first one. Which location? Aldi, N24, Aldi. Okay, it's a reminder. Normally, uh, when I say the first one, it, it picks out the first Aldi. <laughs> Never and happens like that, does the it? Power of life, uh, of life <laughs> recording. Yeah, so, it, but minute, the next time I walk to Aldi, it will uh, give me a little notification. Um, a little vibration and I look at my phone and I'll, it'll remind me to get sugar. So that's my two quick tips for this week. Joe, thanks very much for running through those uh, two quick tips. But as a reminder to our listeners, you can subscribe to our technology newsletter for to find out more about these tips uh, and others. So thanks a lot, Joe, for those. Uh, okay. Just before we finish, as, as a reminder, if you'd like to, if you require any technical support from the labs team, you can contact our help desk on 1800 911 110 or send us an email to labs at ncbi.ie or to avail of the wider services from NCBI, you can call us on 1850 4353 or send an email to info at ncbi.ie. If you'd like to make a donation to NCBI to keep our services going and live events going too, you can visit our donate.ncbi.ie website. Also this week, as discussed in previous live events, we'd like to point out that the labs team are currently in the process of building an NCBI Smart Hub. And as a reminder, the Smart Hub will essentially be a way of availing of and finding out about NCBI services through an Amazon Echo or Google Home Smart Speaker. And in time, the Smart Speaker will also provide information on eye conditions, allow users to make appointments, service users to make appointments, or even speak with staff uh, using their Smart Speaker. Uh, so at the moment, we're looking for testers to help out with the development of the NCBI Smart Hub and provide feedback so if you're interested, please send an email to smarthub at ncbi.ie. We'd certainly you'd like to hear back from you about that if you're interested in getting involved in the testing. So what's coming up in future live events? So lots of interesting things coming up over the coming weeks, including an interview with Glenn Gordon, who was actually one of the earlier developers of the JAWS screen reader. So we're hoping to have him joining us in about two weeks' time. We'll also be joined by the RNIB Tech Talk team to find out about their podcast, and we'll also be finding out about how to make the most of your smart speaker by, for example, doing things like how to create an Alexa shopping list. 
Our next live event will be taking place in two weeks time on Tuesday, the 29th of June at 2.30 p.m. As a reminder, if you want to stay up with the latest, stay up to date with the latest technology news and find out about what's coming up in future live events, you can just subscribe to our technology newsletter by going onto our website, ncbi.ie, or sending an email to labs at ncbi.ie. So a great resource there, the technology newsletter. So all that's left me to do today is to thank our panel of Sean, Daniel, and Joe, our guest speakers, Sebastian and Brendan, and of course, everyone for listening in as well. So take care, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the week. And we look forward to having you back with us in two weeks' time for the next NCBI Labs live event.